how can you share your needs and your wants in a way that you feel good about no matter the outcome? Because you can only control the you. You can put things in place so that you're more likely to have a positive outcome, but you are focusing on you. Welcome to the Rising Beyond podcast, where you can find hope and healing after a toxic or abusive relationship. I'm Sybil Cummin, a licensed professional counselor specializing in working with victims and survivors of domestic violence and narcissistic abuse, including the youngest witnesses. Over the past decade, I have been honored to witness victims move to survivors and then to thriving in their lives. If you feel alone in your healing process, are dealing with the onslaught of post-separation abuse, or just needing some validation that you are not crazy, you are in the right place. What is your first or next best step to get what you want? Maybe this is in regard to your healing journey. Maybe this has to do with custody. What is your next or first best step to getting what you want? That is what we are going to talk about today. We're going to actually look at how you can reverse engineer your healing process. I'm Sybil Cummin. You are listening to the Rising Beyond podcast. And I really want you to kind of sit with this. You may have to take some notes as you listen, or you may have to come back and re-listen to this episode because I am going to share a strategy for doing just that, for figuring out what do you want in your life? What do you need? What is your next step? What are your goals? Because I think that when we are wandering around this healing from abuse space, we don't always have a direction. And if you still have contact with your abusive partner, you have less direction because they are going to do everything in their power to distract you from what is important, to continue to put barriers in your pathway. And so having direction and even ways to jump over those obstacles as you heal is really, really important. So let's talk about how do we reverse engineer, meaning we're going to start at what we want in life, what are our goals, and work backwards. And so I want you to sit down, take out a journal, or just really have a place to think about this. What are your long-term goals for healing and for your life in general? What do you want I want you to take some time and sit with that. And maybe you are feeling like you have no idea. And so hopefully after listening to this episode, you'll get some ideas of that as well. If you really are hands up, I have no idea, Sybil, at all where to even start creating these goals. And you know what? A lot of the clients I work with, the survivors I work with, they are not like reaching for the stars all the time. And I think that you can. I think that you absolutely can, but sometimes that just doesn't feel possible or doable. Even if you decide, you sit down with your journal today, you set your intentions, you set your goals, 
guess what? They can change and you can do this process all over again. Some of the goals that I hear when I'm talking to survivors is they want to feel freedom in their life. They want to have a sense of peace or calm on a daily basis. They want to have safety for themselves, safety for their children. They want to be able to make decisions about their lives and about their child's lives while their children are younger. They want to be able to relocate to a different state, a different country. They want to have friends. They want to not be triggered all the time. So as you listen to those, what resonates for you? Another big one I hear is they want to feel financially sustainable. They want to be able to take care of themselves. So go ahead and kind of think and pick what are some of your goals here? So if you had to choose your top three goals, what might they be? What would your life actually look like when you've reached these goals, when you've reached these things that you want? What would it feel like to you? And you know what? These are all amazing journal prompts. If you want to journal these, what would this life look like, feel like? Who would notice? Very often, I feel like I have these goals and I skip steps because I really want to help people. I want to help people reach these goals. And so what we're going to talk about today is not skipping the steps. So an example of skipping the steps is someone really wants to focus on, I don't know, safety for themselves and their kids. So sometimes my immediate thought is, if they're in the family court system, is let's figure out how to like document and strategize for family court. Yes, we do need to do that. But that may not be the first step. Because in order to document, first you need to know what that looks like and do the education of that. But in order to do this well, and certain documentation I talk about a lot is your communication with your ex-partner. And in order to do that well, you need to have that education. But also, you need to be able to manage the anxiety that comes from it. So it's actually step one is finding ways to regulate your nervous system to calm yourself down, to slow yourself down so that you can start communicating better, which then leads to different documentation, which then leads to how are we going to document in court, which then leads to potential safety. So do you see how if we just start with that documentation piece, it may not work to its fullest advantage. So we're going to work backwards. As we're doing this, I also really want you to think about what is actually in your control and what is outside of your control. And you might be thinking right now, Sybil, literally everything is outside of my control. It's not completely true. And there are some things that are outside of our control, and we're just going to have to figure out how to mitigate or work around these things. You can't control what judge you have. You can't control if your ex-partner files another motion. You can't control if your ex-partner very quickly decides to find a new target and introduce this person into your child's life, right? You have control of how you respond to things. You have control of what documentation and what things do you bring into court? How do you respond to the motion? 
How do you develop the relationship with the decision makers in your case? These are things that are in your control. We have to really step back from the things that are not in our control as we're setting our plan or our path. So you can control your healing process in the sense that you are working on it every day, you are seeking out the resources you need, you you know find yourself a therapist, you're finding yourself a support group, you're finding safe people to be around. Even if finances is a huge concern and you don't have access to the Rising Beyond community or to a therapist that is really well-versed that you can see on a consistent basis, kind of a weekly basis, there are free support groups in pretty much every state. DomesticShelters.org is a great resource for finding those agencies, and I will put that link to DomesticShelters.org in the show notes if, if you're finding yourself in that place. Will it take more work? Potentially. Will you have to work on some mindset that you are worth it? Probably. But these are all things that are, in fact, in your control. So let's look at how you can start to have control over this healing journey or this path to your goals. So now that you kind of have an idea of what you want, hopefully, and if not, you can pause this episode, sit down, take as much time as you need and press play. So even there, you have control of the timeline of this process. You can pause me whenever you want. You can sit back, take some time. You can come back to it. You can re-listen, right? There's all these things that you actually have control of doing. But let's start to look at how to reverse engineer. So maybe you have set your goal of safety for your children. And immediately your mind starts going to, well, I need to have this outcome in court. Okay. Before you just go straight to the fixing, what would it look like for your kids to have safety? Because if we don't know exactly what it looks like, then we may not be able to put the steps in place to reach it. So maybe, maybe that means that they are spending less time with the other parent. Maybe it means that they are getting therapeutic support with a therapist who understands and they connect with on a consistent basis. Maybe that means that they have friends and other people in their ecology that they feel safe with. So the school is set up well for your child. You know, whatever that looks like, those support people around is safe. Maybe that means that you are a safe place for them to share their feelings with, or you're a safe place for them to make bonehead decisions, fail at something, and you're their safe place to fall. Maybe that means that you really take on the role of being a protective parent and attuning to them and co-regulating with them and teaching them about repair of relationships when there's a rupture, that you are showing them the way that safe, healthy relationships, there is repair where one person takes accountability. So there's 
all these different things that could be what safety for your children look like for you. So maybe we start with safety for kids. And one of those is limited time with the other parent and that you get decision-making for their medical decisions and educational decisions because their other parent is refusing for them to have therapy. So then it's like, okay, so that is the outcome of what family court, if that was your goal, that's, that's the outcome of family court, reverse engineering. What is in your control? Again, we can't control what your ex is going to do. We can't control who your judge is, right? We can't control the timeline for very often, right? Sometimes these cases are pushed out and pushed out and pushed out. But we can learn what we need to do for court. I talk about the four P's all the time. It's being proactive and prepared, being able to predict what your ex-partner is going to do and say, and then presenting your case in a specific way. So one of the steps is finding an attorney if you have the finances to do that. If not, and you're going pro se, that means without representation, you are going to legal clinics. You are maybe scheduling two hours with an attorney to consult with. Maybe you are just doing a lot of internet searching on these things. Maybe you're showing up to court to watch with your judge presiding. In order to have that positive outcome in court, we need to do these other things. These are the other steps. And like I said before, right, learn how to document. Oh, one of the documentation pieces that works really well in court is your communication with your abusive ex. So then you've got to figure out how can I communicate well with my abusive ex? What do I need to do to regulate myself? And if you are struggling to present or communicate to decision makers, then that is some typically some therapeutic work that you will need to do around that. Maybe you need to learn how trauma affects children so that you can be that safe space for your kids. So what do we need to do to have the goal happen? In the business world, they call it, I think they call it your purpose, which makes no sense to me. I don't know why they use that that term for it. It doesn't make sense. But it is like, what do I need to do to be able to do what I want? So what do I need to learn? What do I need to outsource? What do I need to do to reach my goals? Maybe let's switch to a different goal. Your goal is freedom or peace in your life. What does this look like for you? It's going to look different for you than for me, than for the other members of the community. There are going to be some similarities, but it needs to be very specific to your life. So what does that look like? What will that feel like? Maybe what will other people notice if you reach this goal of peace? So what is in your control? Maybe you really want your thing, oh, peace would be no contact with my ex-partner. And guess what? That might not be in your control. So if that's not in your control, what are the things you can do to limit its effect on you so that you can feel more peace? Okay, so you're going to learn to set boundaries. Well, just setting boundaries is actually really hard. And there's some steps before you set boundaries. 
in order to set boundaries, you have to do some kind of mindset work or therapeutic work on your worth, your sense of self, your identity. Because if you don't feel like you are worth it, you will not set boundaries. If you're really struggling with people pleasing, which is very tied to that self-worth piece, you're going to feel like a meanie setting boundaries or you're not going to follow through with consequences. So yes, set boundaries, but what comes before the setting boundaries? Something I really like to focus on, and it really ties into that, what can I control, what can I not control, is actually a dialectical behavior therapy skill, DBT skill, and it is called interpersonal effectiveness. And basically what that looks like is you are presenting your needs or your wants in a way that you feel good about or proud about, no matter the outcome. I'm going to share that again, because I think this is a goal for literally everyone in the world. They should teach this in like middle school. But how can you share your needs and your wants in a way that you feel good about, no matter the outcome? Because you can only control the you. You can put things in place so that you're more likely to have a positive outcome, but you are focusing on you. So that is a piece of setting boundaries. So learning that skill. Maybe you need to build your community, your friendships, your connections, and not everyone has to get it. That'd be lovely if everyone got what you were going through, but that's not realistic. But having those specific people that do get it. And then maybe having people that you just share a hobby with. Maybe you go hiking and you just focus on basics. Maybe they're not going to be your best friends forever, but there's someone you can enjoy spending time with to get yourself out of the abuse all the time. So, right, there are all these pieces that we need to do before we can reach that goal. But it's really helpful to have that goal life in mind so that you can work backwards and reverse engineer. So if you take anything from this episode, I want you to sit down with a journal, with your Google Docs, with your phone, whatever, however you do this in therapy and try and visualize and verbalize your top three goals, what your life would look like at its best or what you want really focus. What would it look like? What would it feel like? What would other people notice about me or about the situation if I reached said goal? And then work backwards so that you can find your next best step. I hope this was helpful for you. If you want to share your experiences with me in doing this or as you're doing it, questions come up, I would love to hear from you. You can reach out to me directly at info at risingbeyondpc.com. And I just really hope that you can see what is possible for you because there is a way to get there. So I hope you have a great rest of your day wherever you're listening from. And I will catch you on the next episode of the Rising Beyond podcast. If you're healing from relationship abuse and are looking for support and sisterhood during this journey, I'd love to invite you to the Rising Beyond community, where you will get expert guidance, connection with others going through similar experiences, 
and a safe place where you'll always feel seen, heard, and believed. To learn more and to join, go to www.risingbeyondpc.com. We'd love to be a part of your healing journey.